0: I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy doing the comedy videos. I really make sure that I don't branch out into something and try something or do something that just doesn't feel right. Like I'm not going to do any cooking tutorial videos because I'm not a chef. I'm not going to do any haircutting tutorial videos because I'm not a barber. And my point in in that is like if if your thing isn't to be funny, don't try to go be funny and make that your thing. Because if it doesn't feel natural to you, then it's not going to be fun and it's not going to work. Do it because you enjoy doing it. And if it turns into a job for you, then, then go with it.
1: My name is Johnny Elsasser and I am a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger and tactical commander to the U.S. Ambassador's protective detail. I have seen the struggle even the most hardened men have faced when they combat their inner demons, and I am here to shine a light on those struggles to show that no man is exempt from adversity and internal pain. Men from all walks of life share their stories of hardship, darkness, and perseverance so that every man knows that whatever he is going through, he is not alone. Evolution for men begins now. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey everyone, today's episode, we are featuring Evan Slaughter. He is known as Fit to Serve on his social media platforms, mainly TikTok and Instagram. And he is a comedy video creator. He is hilarious. It was great to have him on the show. I love following his content myself. But the serious side of him was that he joined the army in 2010 and he served in Afghanistan for a year. And when he came home, he struggled to adapt to regular life. And because he wasn't happy, he started to get addicted to opiates. We dive into that part of his story and his journey in this episode. And it's really inspiring to hear how he's come out of that and also to hear how he's focusing on happiness and fun in his life today. And now he's an influencer making really fun videos. And on top of that, he's getting to support really good products that also make him money. So all of these things combined, he is living a life that he's choosing to live these days. And if you get a chance, make sure you are following his content. It will bring a smile to your face. But without further ado, let's hop over to the episode and dive in with Evan. I'll see you guys out of the quarter. All right, everyone. Welcome back to The Art of Masculinity. Today, we have a special guest on, Evan Slaughter. Dude, you are absolutely hilarious, man. Every time your stuff comes up on my, my uh, Instagram feed, it brightens my day. It's so funny, dude. I love it.
0: <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, man. And I'm definitely grateful to be a, a guest on the podcast today
1: yeah thanks brother i appreciate it man well it was funny i don't even know how i ran into your stuff i think it just came up i probably you know what it was is when i i think i was telling you uh when i was in austin and my buddy got me playing pickleball we were probably talking about it and then the phone listened to me and then they're like oh yeah evan's talking about pickleball we're gonna give you yeah we know what you like we know what you want (laughs) to see now (laughs) that's great man (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's so funny, man. It's so funny. But uh, your story is like super cool. Um, I love the message that you're putting out there, the serious message along with the funny message. Uh, and I want to dive a little bit into your background first, and then we'll get to all the, the funny stuff. But you, you were in the military, and I just want to know, like, what was that experience like for you? And I know there was a little bit of a struggle on the transition. I had m- my own issues transitioning as well. I would love to hear about what that was like for you being in the military and then that struggle to that transition to come to the quote unquote real world. Yeah, definitely. Um, So for me, um, I loved it. I loved
0: being in the military. I joined at a time in my life where I was in really good shape. You know, I was I was maybe 23, I think, whenever I signed and 24 when I left, something like that. So as you probably know, that's you're, that's kind of an older, you know, person in basic training. I didn't realize that, you know, I was still really young and still immature for sure. But I was in there with a lot of, you know, 18, 19, fresh out of high school, you know, didn't even, didn't go to college, just chose to join the, you know. So it was, it was just felt like the right time for me. I was in shape. Like I was saying, I, you know, I was coming from an exercise kind of background at the time and wanted just just got, got the itch to join and was the type that went all in, you know, like, went to the Marine Corps and, and found out that I couldn't leave with them for another nine months. And I was like, well, hell, I I, I don't even know if I want to be in the military in nine months. Like, I thought, I thought it was like you walk into the recruiter's office, you know, and they're so honored that you're here and you're ready to lay down your life for your country and they welcome you in, you know, and then you leave. You know, I thought we were getting on a bus that afternoon. You know what I mean? <laughs> I knew nothing about the process. So... After I found out that it doesn't work that way, you know, that you actually have to go through a pretty rigorous process just to get in, uh, depending on, you know, what when you're joining and stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I go to the Army and I go to the Air Force and then, you know, ended up joining with the Army and knew I wanted to be infantry, knew I wanted to be the high speed guy, you know, doing all the combat related stuff. And that's what I did, you know, and, and had some success at it. You know, went to airborne school after infantry school. Went to Special Forces selection. Uh, went to SOPS and then selection because I picked up the 18 X-ray option and and basic, and uh, ended up kind of failing the the last ruck event of selection. And you know, came in came in late, maybe 15 minutes late, something like that. I was broken off after SOPS and then and then the going straight to selection. So. But I got orders to go to a LERS unit, long range surveillance unit. And everybody was telling me, they were like, man, you got to you got to take this opportunity. You know, there, there were only three LERS units in the army at the time. And they, they were kind of like something that I think was originally created around Vietnam time. And then they they kind of brought them back for this, you know, war on terror as, as the drone technology was still trying to get to where it is today. You know, they needed. Long-range surveillance, they needed guys on the ground reporting back you know reconnaissance to the HQ and and so that's what I did. went to the LRS unit, deployed to Afghanistan pretty much as soon as we got there and uh, yeah, did an appointment, got injured overseas, and then started, which started you know me taking pain medication. So when I got out, you know, this is the short you know version of all of that. When I got out, I got out you know with a pretty bad opiate addiction. And it wasn't, you know, I, I had some addiction issues earlier in life. And so it was just kind of one of those things that came back whenever I felt legitimate behind taking pain medication for hitting an IED in Afghanistan, you know, and, but it just led, led me down that road again. So when I got out, I got out just in a dark place, man, lost, didn't know what to do. You know, you have all this structure, then you get out and you go home and you, you lose all that. And that's where I was, you know, lost and addicted to opiates and, and didn't know what I was going to do, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's typically what happens too. Regard, even when you're not addicted to to anything, you get out and you don't know what you're going to do. You know, you had this whole life written for you. Uh, every day was written from sun up to sundown, and then all of a sudden you get out and you're like, "What do I do with my hands?" Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, they tell you what to wear. Every you know, it's it's yeah. It's, not only where you need to be and when, but what clothes you need to be in when you're there, you know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely.
0: I, I thrived with that structure for sure for, for a long time until it just, you know, so you get old enough where you're like, ah, I feel like I need to be doing something else.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so when you got out and then you, so you were struggling with that kind of conversion into normal life, but you also were carrying the baggage of taking that injury, being on opioids. What was it that you first kind of? I want to do a progression here because there's a couple of questions I have. What was the the first thing that woke you up to the fact that you were not being successful in your transition to the real world or to like normal life? What was the first thing that kind of woke you up to that that you're like, shit's not going well right now? You know,
0: it was almost like I was in such kind of a bad place. As I started to get out, you know, I I just knew that that if something didn't change, it was already kind of going bad for me, you know, um, especially like I, 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 a lot of that is, is because of the addiction to the opiates, you know, I get out and I go home and I'm, I go home needing the thing that, you know, I had been doing for a long time. And then you lose, you know, of course, your insurance, your TRICARE, you don't have that anymore. There's some time in between going to the VA that takes, I think it took a year from the time I applied to the VA, from where I started receiving disability and started getting medical treatment through the VA, it's about a year. So I get back and go back to mom and dad's place and start seeing just private doctors. And, you know, it was still when they were given prescriptions out like candy, basically. I think they've got a lot better with that these days, especially in the private sector. But that's kind of what I did, you know, and I but but to answer your question, you know, I it was probably when I got arrested, so I got out and got arrested. Oh, shit.
1: Uh, <laughs> <because> <laughs> that'll that'll wake was, you up uh, real quick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that'll wake you up, man. And uh, it was all you know. I I decided that I was going to prescribe myself some medication, and I can I can <laughs> laugh about it today because it oh, <laughs> it man. helped me get to where I'm at now. But uh, I was on like Valium for for you know PTSD stuff, which was really kind of found out that it's just general anxiety is really what yeah. I kind of have. But, you know, any excuse to, to take a prescription, right, at this point in my life. Yeah, so yeah. I'm on Valium, I'm on these painkillers, and I run out, of, uh, run out of Valium early, you know, had kind of gone through all my doctor resources there, couldn't get another prescription for a little bit. And I was like, you know what I'll do? I mean, I, was, I felt like I was smart about it until I got caught, <laughs> but uh, I would take the DEA number off the prescription bottle because some prescription bottles have a DEA number on there for the doctor. And I would just phone in because I knew you could phone in a certain class of narcotics. So I'm like, I can do this for, you know, <laughs> call it. And, you know, obviously it doesn't work at all. It, it, you know, I called a couple of pharmacies and like immediately there's this red flag that goes on in the system and they're already on to me, you know? So I get a call back from a pharmacy and they're like, Hey, Mr. Slaughter, we have your prescription ready. Right. And I'm like, Hell yeah. You know, yeah. It, it it so but I was still a little skeptical. So I go up to the pharmacy to to pick it up, you know, and uh, you know, I was came from a reconnaissance unit, right? So yeah, I yeah. even like circled the <laughs> block one time. To, you know, and then I go inside and I'm like looking. I'm like, is this about to happen? And as soon as I go up and pay for the medication, boom, cop, you know, cop jumps out, arrests wow. me and uh like I said, it was definitely something I was, I was real lost, man, and broken and, you know, just out of my mind. And, and, uh, it was kind of the thing that jump started this process to recovery ultimately for me, you know, from getting off the opiates and stuff like that. So that's definitely when I realized like something's got to change here.
1: Yeah. Was that, were you, was it just like an overnight thing when you were arrested or was it just like a, they charged you, but they didn't hold you? Was it, Big deal. If you don't mind talking about it, it, was it a big deal? Yeah,
0: no, not at all. It was. It was a big deal. It was a felony. You know, it's a. It's a felony. But they charged me with unlawful possession of a controlled substance because I was, I had used a Wi-Fi calling app to, from my phone to mask the phone number, right, and uh, so they couldn't get me with prescribing myself medication. I just came and picked it up, you know, unlawfully (laughs) because there was no prescription that was really supposed to be in the system, you know. So anyways, that that was a that was definitely a lesser charge, unlawful possession of a controlled substance. And uh, at the time, my parents were uh, the D.A. in in that district in that county at the time was a good family friend, uh, grew up going to the same church, all that kind of stuff. And he knew me and he knew. I had just gotten out of the military. I was injured in combat. I was and they had a veterans court system uh there in the county I was arrested in. And it was it was like they were the first county in the state of Alabama to start the veterans court program. So they were real serious about it. And it was a it was a big deal. You go through the program, they monitor you on drug tests, you get some treatment if you need treatment, that kind of stuff. And uh if you play by the rules by the end of it you know, pay your fine, do all the stuff, show up for veterans court, then they drop the charge. So it took me a little bit to get through it, but I, but I ultimately got through it. And it led me to, uh, ultimately to, to, you know, sobriety from, from the opiate stuff for sure.
1: Yeah, dude, that's amazing, brother. It's really cool to hear your story and that you're willing to share it. But number two, obviously to see you on the other end of it and how well you're doing now. So that's freaking awesome, brother. Really happy. Are you still, is there any kind of leftover stuff from your injury from uh, Afghanistan or is that kind of all behind you now as well?
0: You know, it's pretty much behind me that I was very, very fortunate. What they said, I think diagnosis is the right term. I don't know, but with my ankle was what was injured kind of the worst. And they said it was a dislocated tendon in my left ankle. Basically like spraining your ankle. Apparently there is a surgery option where you can have the tendon put back in the right place. But I was given some advice from uh, some of the medical staff that surgery can be kind of fidgety, sort of like back surgery that doesn't go, you know, it cannot go well and not end up helping. And so it was kind of advised to me to just let it heal and let it heal how it is. And you should be all right. You know, it might be a little weaker than your normal, you know, ankle would be. And that's what I chose to do. And I, I chose to do that one because I, that allowed me to stay in Afghanistan to finish the deployment. So it's like I was injured. My ankle was injured, but I was able to stay there in Afghanistan, do the whole one-year deploy, deployment. And uh, I think it's been the right option. So definitely no no physical stuff. I was, like I said, very fortunate in that aspect.
1: Yeah, we. I've had numerous friends that were doctors and even super high-level surgeons, and they were like, don't ever get surgery unless you absolutely have to, unless it's like literally the only thing you can do. And uh, I'm, so I I'm think on you, the same page, I think you did the right thing. That's good, brother. I wanted to jump in a little bit. So now to kind of life, Evan, Evan, now, uh, Evan posts all the military. Were you always funny as fuck? Cause if you were like, I'm sure your unit, it must've been really fun in your unit, <laughs> I th- I like
0: to think so yeah uh, I was kind of the kid you know growing up that was the class clown always getting in trouble for having a smart mouth you know and 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 saying stuff back you know that I shouldn't have said back or whatever to teachers to my parents to whoever and and kind of carried that over into the military yeah there was definitely a lot of laughs and I was also fortunate to be on a team with guys that were you know some some funny some funny guys as well and uh so we just had a lot of laughs throughout that that deployment and through being in the, and you know that helps man big time that's oh, hell that's yeah. been part of my stick now it's like positivity through laughter it's kind of my my little mantra and uh it's because it really can change the game in my opinion
1: Dude, you would have been hilarious. I mean, you know, as I did a few tours overseas and it would have been fun to have you on there. Somebody like you could just lighten the mood, getting back off a mission, shit like that. And always just, you know, making fun of the dumb shit that happens while we're out there. But I grew up really tied into comedy. Loved like Rodney Dangerfield, Sam Kinison, all those old school dudes. And so I just love laughing. Humor is like a great thing. And I love that you're putting that in kind of back into the world in your own way. And especially through this, like, man, the pickleball shit gets me rolling every time. Cause I told you my good buddy is like that guy. He's like that guy. Hey man, Hey man, we got this new paddle for you, but you got to get in the car first before we can get into it. To you. <laughs> Cause he's, he's sneaking <laughs> yeah. out to the pickleball court. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, it was good, man. Um, so what was, uh, what's the, so you're, you've gotten back into fitness to getting yourself healthy again, to And you found this love, this love, this reinvigorated love for yourself. Now, that right there to me is amazing because uh, a lot of men, especially men coming from war, uh, men with similar backgrounds to ours, um, and just kind of that in general hardened everyday man, for him to say he loves himself is is not really a common thing. So for, for you, what did that look like to actually come back and then find yourself and say, yeah dude I actually love who I am and I and I see where I'm at and I want to be in different places but I love who I am in this moment.
0: Yeah you know so that was a process for me dude like just going through all the stuff like coming back with that opiate addiction going through the legal issues I went through uh you know after I after I kind of finished that first veteran court I was in and out of staying off the opiate, so that definitely started the process for me and and getting help but there were it was up up and down you know it kind of went back and forth back and forth until finally it's it hasn't been an issue for a long time now, but during that process, you know it was just an up and down road, and I would go from you know working on being honest to manipulating situations and work you know and i I was found out that really I was just fearful of everything so i I felt like you know, I had to take control of stuff in order for it to go my way. So, like, best example I can get is is the failed, you know, little marriage I had there for a little while. You know, met a great girl. We end up getting married. And uh, I'm lying and manipulating her about struggling with coming off these opiates, you know, with that battle there. And it just led to where, you know, we had to get divorced. She had to divorce me because I was just was not trustworthy. I was, you know, putting them through a lot more pain. She had a had a son from a previous relationship, all that kind of stuff. So there's another hurt that I go through. And so it was just these ups and downs of like these struggles. And I finally got to a place where I was like, man, I don't want to feel this way anymore. You know, what's going on? I just want to. And I found out that I just, I wasn't, I, I didn't like who I was. I felt like I had to lie about who I was, you know. And even if it was just an inflation of the truth. You know, if if it's, you know, talking about how much money I made at the job I had, even if it was just a little $10,000, you know, whatever it was, it was just me trying to make myself look better because I wasn't happy with who I was. And what happened there is that led me to all this pain to where I was finally broken enough to say, all right, what's the solution? And then you start seeking, seeking, you know, some, some help through people. You know, for me, it's it's some older men in my life that can speak some life into me that that have been through these bumps that have been doing it right for a long time now. And they can speak some truth into my life. And so it's a combination of a lot of things. But for me, it was like getting honest with myself. Right. And uh, through that honesty alone and realizing that I was just living in fear, you know, I was always quick to fight if somebody wronged me. You know, I had to get them back because otherwise I'm not a man. Right. Like I was if someone cuts me off in traffic, I better let them know what a piece of shit they are or else I'm going to look weak. You know, that was the mindset I had. And I had that mindset before the military. You know, a lot of people say, well, I went to the infantry and I came out with all this, you know, I got to be tough and blah. blah." But no, I mean, I was that way before that, you know, just just. I don't know if it's being a male or a females go through the same thought process, but for me, it was I was very competitive. I was very no one's going to get one over on me. Um, all those things, and then I realized that that's actually weakness for me because that's my go-to. That's it's easy for me to get upset. You know, it's what the world expects me to do. It's what you know. It's 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 just the natural thing to go. If somebody wrongs me, I got to get back at them. Right? That's the easy solution. And I started figuring out how much more difficult it it is to forgive somebody, right? To let them have a pass, to not blow up when someone cuts you off in traffic, to not do, you know, but through that, I was like, I started challenging myself. All right, I'm just going to take a different mindset about things. If someone has wronged me or if I'm angry with somebody, I'm going to learn to forgive them. If somebody says something to me or whatever, you know, comments on videos that I have, I'm going to respond with kindness. And I found out that I was gaining strength through that process. And it was also giving me a lot of peace. So it was like I was getting a lot out of it for myself because I wasn't angry all the time. And I wasn't, you know, defensive all the time. And I wasn't having to lie to you. I wasn't, have, you know, I was just like honest and, and I'm not going to get upset anymore over. I don't care what people think anymore about me. I don't, you know, and I had to choose to start living that way.
1: Yeah, you got to be able to kind of take that, you know, take that weight off of carrying the lies, carrying the disappointment, carrying like the shame, the anger, the guilt, like all that shit. You're finally able to kind of release that, but do it on your own terms, right?
0: Yeah. So it's like having control in my life for the first time and then like actually being in control. But that control came through like letting go of trying to (laughs) manipulate my way through life or do, you know and just uh love myself for who i am and then that has since then led me to the health journey we talked about you know i got out of shape all that kind of stuff and and because i i didn't care for a long time you know it was damaging my body i was eating bad i was taking you know substances i was doing and i just didn't care and then whenever i got to where it's like all right now i actually care about myself i care about the longevity i want to have in life i care about being able to go out and do things physically again it gave me a new desire for for fitness in my life.
1: Well, first off, I want to ask is the is Cheryl who you're always yelling at? Is that the ex-wife? No. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe subconsciously it is no, no the ex-wife
0: wouldn't have put up with any of that for, for sure
1: i love it Cheryl. <laughs> she wouldn't have been out there with me in the first place <laughs> i love it um so your journey back into fitness you talk about getting uh back into crossfit or you talk about getting into crossfit right that was that kind of your your entryway back into kind of getting into the fitness world, getting back into shape?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, not at first. Um, I was kind of doing, uh, a buddy of mine owns a gym here in Alabama, and and uh, I was going there, and, and, like, I know how to work out. That's the thing is, like, being through the military, and I studied exercise science in college. I used to be a personal trainer. It's like I know how to work out. The problem I was having was motivating myself to work out. You know, I wasn't getting in the good exercises because I was trying to do it by myself and I was just, you know, just showing up and just trying to do enough and it got to where I just needed more, you know, and the CrossFit thing's funny because it kind of came from me making the videos, right? Oh, like really? Like I do a <laughs> lot of the pickleball. Yeah, yeah, so I do a lot of the pickleball comedy, but I also do fitness and CrossFit comedy and uh, the the fitness comedy started the same way the pickleball comedy did. It was just basically like, me making fun of the character that that basically I am whenever I get back into a working out or whenever I try a new sport, you know, I go all in and I think I'm like ready for the highest level of whatever it is that that sport is, you know. So I just one day did a CrossFit video. My brother had gotten into CrossFit up, up in Nashville and he was kind of telling me about it. He was new into it, him and his buddies. And uh, I mean, I always knew about CrossFit and stuff, but I was like, I'm gonna make a video And one of them took off and did really well. So I started hammering that CrossFit niche, you know, comedy wise for a little bit. But that led me to like doing CrossFit, like a guy that's local here in here in Birmingham who liked my content, drove by one day when I was making a CrossFit video or making a video out in a place I normally and he's like, didn't realize I was from here. And he, he stops and then he ends up messaging me and he's like, I actually own a CrossFit gym. Uh, not far from here, <laughs> you should come. And so I go and I try, you know. And so now it's led to man, I've got you know, I do a lot of work with CrossFit companies. I'm going to the CrossFit Games in a couple weeks to <laughs> to work with some some of the companies and just have fun and you know do stuff out there. So it started with the videos, and then I was trying to get back in shape, and then I thought, well, maybe I should try this CrossFit stuff because. <laughs> It's a class environment. It's a little more intense than what I've been doing. And, you know, maybe I should yeah. just not
1: make fun of it and go actually do it. <laughs> well, it's like, it's one of those things, man. I, there's some great things about CrossFit. And then the one, gr- the greatest thing about it, I found, especially because I had a lot of friends who did it when we were overseas doing protection. And then I had a couple buddies who owned gyms, a couple who competed in the games. And the coolest thing of it was that the community it brings. I I thought that was like one of the greatest things they did with CrossFit was all typically all the gyms create a really cool community atmosphere. um, And that kind of gives people the motivation, even like yourself, somebody who knows the ins and outs of working out. But it gives you the motivation to get over there. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it was intimidating, man, like especially. Being as out of shape as I'd let myself get, I was always strong. I was always a weightlifter type. I mean, when I was in the military and got out of the military, I was a pretty solid runner as well. And so just like having to force myself to be like, all right, man, just be green, you know, be green in this this aspect. Be be the new guy. Let yourself be the new guy. You know, don't try to come in here doing a muscle up or do it, you know, just let yourself be be the new guy, you know, and act like you've never even worked out before if you have to. And that's the mindset I went in there with. And, you know, of course, like you were saying, the community's been great. The coaches are great. Every every gym that I've gotten to go to just from doing the videos and the the travel that I've been able to do with that process. Like I worked out at CrossFit Invictus in San Diego not long ago and got to do some fun. So I've been in some pretty big CrossFit gyms and they've all been very loving and kind and helpful and you know but i just had to like lower myself and go all right just act like you've never done any workout stuff before let them coach you through this
1: heaven comes in where's the biggest kettlebell you got (laughs) yeah yeah we deadlifted today Uh, let's uh, usually i
0: deadlift about 500 pounds so uh (laughs) you know that's typically me (laughs) you know i'll come in there trying to And I'll be, you know, 70 pounds overweight and haven't lifted in a while. And I'll be the guy that just goes 100 and then never comes back because he's so hurt from
1: (laughs) the work. I was dying on your, your crunch fitness one. And he comes up with like the the 20-pound dumbbells or something. You're like, hey, I, man, I used to be doing 100-pound dumbbells. Yeah. What Can we go up in some weight? And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, man, Dale. That's, come on. That, yeah, Dale. <laughs> that's every guy, too. It's so funny because I was dying because that's literally every guy. If he like took a month off from the gym and he wants to go back and lift or a year off, but, oh, come on, man, <laughs> yeah. i can go heavier. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's yeah, he hasn't bench pressed in years but he's like, I think I can still bench 300. Like, no, you can't,
1: bro. <laughs> Ain't going to work out. Dude, I was I was dying. Dale <laughs> I told him my name's Derek like five times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. They're killing me. Like, where do you get, Um, where are you getting, you just pulling these ideas up. Are you collaborating? Like, you find these funny ass ideas. The Zumba one. I was dying on the Zumba one.
0: Brian. Funny. You
1: know, it's, <laughs> yeah, Brian. Get out of my dance space, Brian.
0: <laughs> man, I, I'm the type of guy and I don't know how long this will last for me before I have to start you know, doing more planning, but I like to just have a concept in my mind and then just show up and, and freestyle it, you know, and just, I've been fortunate to where, like, I found my, my groove where I can just sort of be myself, like be, like, I'm not having to play a character and do all these things. I'm just like, kind of, that's normally how I would approach it naturally if I was trying to make somebody laugh. So I just like take that, and, and then use that. And the only thing I guess I would think through is the actual process of the video. So like the Zumba video, it's like I knew we have to kind of like start with an instructor and show people what we're doing, you know, and then and then make it real obvious that I'm in the class and I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm acting like I know what I'm doing and I'm disruptive. At, you know, so you kind of have to figure out the story. But then I just sort of go with it, you know.
1: Dude, it's 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 gold, man. The doubles ice bath may have been one of my favorite ones. That was I was fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. dying. <dude. laughs>
0: I started with uh, that was the first time, like I like I did a, a cold plunge video. I knew I knew cold plunge ice bath therapy was was getting big, and the first one I did in that market was like the creek water. I w- I didn't even have an ice barrel. I had no. You know, like I in, in one of the videos, I just had my hand in the freezer and I, you know, so I had to make a idea of like, all right, well, I have no cold therapy. I have no access right now to cold therapy stuff. How would I do it? You know, but then a buddy of mine, that's actually when we did the partner plunge, that's a friend of mine, Brock Holt. He played for the Red Sox. He won a couple of World Series with the Red Sox, Won, uh, played on a couple of different teams and he lives next door to one of my best friends. And that's how I got to know him. But uh, he had the ice barrel and he had seen the other video. And he was like, dude, if you want to make a video with the ice barrel. And I was like, let's do like a partner plunge and just <laughs> both try to get in it, you know. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, these opportunities present themselves and you just got to be ready to to make a video out of it.
1: Well dude that and I remember, I remember the one where you were putting like different body parts in uh something cold yeah. <laughs> and uh I was dying the because so like yeah, <laughs> That's right <the laughs> so much. I love it cuz like I'm I'm a big ice bath guy as well and uh I just but everybody like everybody's just posting constantly on I'm like guys calm the fuck down like we get it like we get it but then when you did that one I wanted to send it to all my friends that post ice baths and be like you motherfuckers (laughs) this is what you guys look like right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because I made that comedy video and then that led me to a relationship with Ice Barrel. You know, yeah, that was cool. That's part of the reason I'm going to the CrossFit games and I've made several videos with Ice Barrel now. And so it's just funny how it's funny, but it's also I think it's smart of these companies, you know, that want to work with a guy like me because I'm not the typical, you know, fitness figure that you see on Instagram. Right. But I think it's smart of these businesses that are, you know, taking influencers like myself and like in in their market and saying, hey, how can we use this guy to help promote our product, you know, and, and uh, for me, it's formed some really good relationships.
1: Well, it's really cool because you, you, know, you do have a good following, but your content is great. And then, um, you know, I've, I've heard from numerous business owners that influencers ha- have been way more effective in conversion for uh, purchasing than ads have been recently and other things. And so it's it's awesome that you're getting to connect with them. And it's, it's cool because you also get some good stuff. Like now you got a barrel instead of having to put your hand in a freezer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now I've got a barrel and now I have to use the barrel. So it's like led me to like <laughs> actually having to do cold therapy, which has been helpful for my health, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was fucking good. Well, I wanna I wanna turn back to the the pickleball thing. So pickleball, uh, I found out. So I was at uh South by Southwest, and obviously I knew I've heard of pickleball. I hadn't played it, and they were having like a match there, and it was some of the the professionals that were playing. And we're sitting there, and my buddy and I start talking to this guy, and he is, he was like the Director, or like the head of whatever the biggest league is for pickleball right now, the, the one that's like kind of starting to come out as the front runner, as like going to be the league. Um, I can't remember the name of it, okay, but he was uh, he's chatting yeah, there's with two, us two
0: really the MLP and the PPA. But the MLP is actually started by a guy named Steve who is from Austin, so I bet it was Steve.
1: Oh, it might, yeah, it might have been him, that may have been who it was. So we're chatting with him. and and find out it's like the fastest growing sport, like on the planet at this point, it's just skyrocketing. And it's also a ton of fun when I got to play it. But how did you start? Well, like what was, what was the entrance for you? Did you start playing it first or was it similar to CrossFit? You made fun of like some of the funny things first, and then you started to play it. Like how'd that pan out for you?
0: No, I was playing it. Um, I had gotten into playing it through some friends that introduced me to it. And uh, fell in love with it, you know. I really was enjoying playing with it, and then, but it's a lot of fun, and it was helping like with my cardio, you know, and all and all that stuff because it is fair, you know, it's pretty active, especially you play outside in the heat, like you know, here in Alabama, you know, where it's running up hot and humid. You're out there sweating and playing, you know. So it was uh, just doing a lot of things for me. It was a fun way to find a way to do cardio, and then you just fall in like, fall in love with the sport. At least I did, but. Uh, it, but that led me to one day I was, you know, I was doing the fitness videos and I, I had started this series of like your friend that just started running, you know, your friend that just started weightlifting your friend that just started cold plunging your. So I was like, I'm going to do a, your friend that just started playing pickleball. Um, and actually I, I made another video today that's coming out tonight with my paddle sponsor. That's kind of along the same lines. Cause I haven't done that theme in a while, but, uh, and and it did well. It took off and started getting approached. I didn't realize how big it was and how fast it was growing and how much people were investing into it until the video. The first video I made where I, I started getting reached out, you know, and that's when I really actually started first getting paid from companies to make videos for them was through the pickleball stuff.
1: Hey, everyone. Want to take a quick second here and let you know about my new book, Design the Man Within. It is all about getting the everyday man the tools he needs to start becoming a better version of himself, but also becoming a man who loves himself and impacts the people around him positively. Go ahead to designthemanwithin.com and get your copy today. I am very proud of this book. And it was the book I needed years ago when I started my journey. And so I hope that it can be that door opening book for every man out there to start his own personal journey with tools and tips that I've used to help grow through some of the darkest times in my life to become somebody who looks at the man in the mirror and loves who he sees. So make sure you head over to designthemanwithin.com and get your copy today. Well that that, that was going to be my next question like how quick has it been for you to get approached after making this stuff was it a while like were you doing this for a while or was it pretty quick cuz they saw like how how much you were getting the outreach
0: Yeah I was amazed at how uh how fast it moves it it can move very fast like now I had to grind at the beginning you know I, I really got my start on TikTok and I was like grinding to to grow a following on TikTok, you know, and uh, I had some funny stuff, my single mom comedy stuff, where it's like trying to get the single mom next door to <laughs> that notice you, funny, you know. <laughs> that's what hit it. for me first was really? that on on TikTok, really, yeah. And so oh, I started wow. to grow, and that kind of gave me the like, okay, you know, you know, I, I can make something that's funny to people, and that's people are going to follow me for, and that kind of stuff, and so it just. Started there and then sort of led to me trying these different things that I thought would be funny. And I had, di- I, I did a uh, your friend that just started running video, and it's basically me and some ranger panties, you know, and like <laughs> running and like stretching and like talking about the grundle region and how important it is to grease the grundle before <laughs> you run. And, you know, and Brooks Running Company, someone, a representative from Brooks reached out to me and just. Wanted to send me some Brooks stuff because they got a kick out of the video. And I was like, well, that's cool. You know, I'm about to get some free Brooks running shoes out of this. And they sent a couple pairs of shoes and some shorts. And, you know, and they've done it a couple times. And uh, then at the end of 22, they even sent me a little plaque that said Brooks running 2022 influencer of the year. So <laughs> they came up with like a funny little award. You know, they were a big supporter. But so then as I made the, your friend that just started pickleball video, that's when a a company that was like kind of a blog site, it's actually called pickleball union. They're still, you know, going today. They're kind of like a pickleball news, all things, pickleball news, blog, website, whatever newsletter. Um, they reached out and, and hired me, you know, to make videos for them as they were getting started. So I think we did like a 20 video deal right off the bat. And, uh, I made and produced 20 videos for them over about three or four months. And after that, as that was happening, it was just started flooding in like pickleball paddles. People wanting me to use their paddle in a video, this and that. And I just kept hammering the pickleball thing, man. And it's continued to grow to where I could get a paddle sponsor. And I've actually got a ball sponsor and I've got you know a coffee company that's involved in the pickleball space sponsors me now. So it's funny because the guy that has the paddle company valer that i worked yeah. with out of austin he was like man you're gonna be the highest paid pickleball athlete and you don't even play pickleball <laughs> professionally <laughs> that's true that's true. Like, well, That's pretty cool man <laughs> so it just it's been really good to me man
1: you, you find gold bro and i what i love about it is like you don't do it as like a, a paid advertisement. Like what you do is you make a funny video about it. And then obviously the product is in there and it's featured, but it's not like in your face, like go buy this right now. Like you don't do that. And I I appreciate about, I appreciate you still hold to your content as being content as being not an ad. Right. And so that's, I think, That's going to be part of your continued success because it's, it's goal. It's freaking hilarious. You make really fun. I saw the, I saw the ball one recently where you're taking the ball and hitting it with your hand. And you're like, they tell you the paddle's supposed to be part of your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's, what's been fun about it. And, And as these companies have approached me, it's like the companies that I work with, all the ones that I, that I do work with have approached me on the basis of like, we don't want to change what you're doing at all. You know, we want you to just use our product as you're doing it. Would it be a good fit? And we have that conversation. And because that's that was the biggest thing is like, I don't want to be just some sellout ad page where, you know, because no one's going to want to follow. Like, I, I enjoy the comedy about it. Obviously, doing this full time, you've got to figure out a way to get paid doing it, you know. And uh, so that's that was kind of a unique relationship I've kind of tried to form with these companies is like, I'm going to keep my same comedy shtick and let's use your product while I'm doing that video and figure out how to make that work. You know?
1: Yeah, that's really cool, man. And the fact that you have kept it, it really shows. And it's like, it's not like you're, you're finding gold every time. Like, like the paddle ball ones don't get old. The freaking ice bath ones are hilarious. The, The mom ones, the single mom ones are, are hilarious. Like it's, it's just, you constantly, you're getting up gold. So keep doing what you're doing on that front. Cause that's definitely like, it doesn't feel dry. It feels like you're going back and finding new funny things to put out there. Makes me fucking laugh every time, and I still send them to all my buddies. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate it big time because that is—that's the hard part. You think about is like people still finding this funnier, people still, you know. And I try to keep it enough different to where you know mix it in to where it is still entertaining and it's not just the same stuff over and over so i appreciate that for sure
1: yeah well i think the intermingling of the fitness too has been a solid solid approach for you that was really cool like to watch you do because i have so many friends who are crossfit so when you make fun of the the crossfit stuff or like the, the personality you've created for like the crossfit it's just they're shaking their head because they know it's true and it's just hilarious yeah, they're yeah. Like, oh yeah <laughs> So obviously this, this world that we're living in, the evolution of the world is, is social media. It's interfacing, um, you know, with social media to create some form of outward appearance or influence, whatever it is people are looking for. Um, what are, what's something, because you, you really have, you've blown up your brand you you you're funny you've you've started to make some good money partnering with businesses but holding to your brand what's something you can give out to people who are um looking to do something similar but they don't really want to lose themselves kind of like you did they don't they don't want to lose their brand or they don't want to lose themselves is something you can kind of offer them
0: so for me that's you know the the biggest thing um that I had to remember was one, I, I continue to do this and this is such a blessing because I enjoy doing it. You know, I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy doing the comedy videos. I I really make sure that I don't branch out into something and try something or do something that just doesn't feel right. Or Like I'm not going to do any cooking tutorial videos because I'm not a chef. You know, I'm not going to do any haircutting tutorial videos because I'm not a barber. You know, so. And, and my point in, in that is like, if if your thing isn't to be funny, don't try to go be funny and make that your thing, you know, because if it doesn't feel natural to you, then it, it's not going to be fun and it's not going to work. You know, I'm not saying don't try new things. You know, if you want to try comedy, go all into it. But if it doesn't feel natural and it doesn't work, you know, that, that that's what I've had to remind myself. That's why. Like the companies that I've worked with, this this started out, I was in a fortunate place where I was able to sell some real estate. So I had some money whenever I started to pursue this full time to where I didn't have to work while I was doing it. And so I'm very, very fortunate in that aspect, you know. Um, but when I started out, it was just, I just want to see if I can grow a following, making people laugh and, and do that. And then I stayed with myself and companies will approach you on that. So like stick to what's true for you. If it's fun and it's natural and and it feels good, you know, and you're having fun doing it, then that's when it's going to work. And just don't give up on it too soon. You know, like, it's you're not going to grow a, a huge following overnight, most likely you're not, you know. So see what works and what doesn't work, play around with it, and then let companies in whatever space you're doing it approach you. And then only work with people that don't want to change your content for you And that feels right to work with. So the stuff and the brands that I've aligned myself with, it all makes sense. You know, I do pickleball stuff because I was doing pickleball comedy. I do the CrossFit and fitness stuff because I was doing, you know, that in the first place. So that's why I've got the RX Smart Gear, the Ice Barrel. So it's like they came to me. It was a good fit. They didn't want to change anything about what I was doing with my videos. We just added a little product placement here and there. And then, boom, it works. So basically, like, don't sell yourself out just to get that paycheck and say, I'm a, you know, I make money doing social media stuff, you know, because it's not going to last in my experience, you know, do it because you enjoy doing it. And if it turns into a job for you, then, then go with it.
1: Uh, dude, I love those words of that word of advice, because I think so many people would, they they'd get all doe eyed if they saw a paycheck coming in from one thing, regardless of it required them to be inauthentic. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you'll get these brands that like, especially with TikTok, it's, it's this way, like, when you get into the creator fund and TikTok, it's like, you know, they've got your email, that kind of stuff. So you'll get these just like, random brands. And I I gave into it at first in the beginning, because I wanted to justify me doing this full time, like, so they'll send you products, whatever it is, and you make a video for them in exchange. And it felt good. Like I had to do that with the product stuff initially. Like, okay, I'm going to do this in exchange for a product. And then it grew so much to where I can't do that anymore. So I'm not going to just take your product. You know, I'm going to take your product. And here's what, I, here's what I charge to make a video for you. So like know your worth. You know what I mean? Like when I had 10,000 TikTok followers, it made sense for me to do stuff in exchange for products but at 145,000 TikTok followers and and the analytics with views in the millions don't sell yourself short. These companies can pay, they will pay and you just got to you just got to be in a position to ask for it, you know.
1: Yeah, I love that, dude. That that is gold right there to know your self worth because that's where I think a lot of people especially because not everybody knows how to be an entrepreneur they they value themselves so low that they get scared to ask for that paycheck right yeah yeah or
0: they value themselves too high in the beginning and they and they get themselves right out of it one of the reasons I I took the product offers in the beginning was just to simply prove and show companies what I can do with their product so I took uh here's an example I I took a t-shirt from a company um, that I still have done some stuff with today uh, or, you know, recently we, we formed a good little relationship there. I took a, a shirt. I made a video in exchange for the shirt and it got like 8 million views on TikTok. Wow. It wasn't a sponsored ad. Nobody was involved in pushing the video. Nothing like that. It's just like you send me a shirt and I'm going to make a video with it. And then it went viral, you know. So it's like that was a good That's a good thing for me to reference, you know. Whenever someone comes back around and says, "Hey, would you make a video in exchange for a shirt?" It's like, can't do it anymore because the last time I did that, they got eight million views. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) not saying that's going to happen this time, but I'm capable of
1: that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so good, man. That's it's good good
0: practice taking the free products in exchange for real. Is is my point there? So, like, do that enough times to to get some practice with it, and then move on from it once you know you got it down and you're, you're making quality content with their product.
1: Well, it's it's positive reinforcement too. You're getting something in return for your personality, for yeah. your content. And that's like influencing you to continue down that path because you know if somebody's willing to give you a product for that, they see some potential that you could do something good with it. So that's really good. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Dude, brother, this has been a fun conversation. I really appreciate <laughs> you so much, dude. Keep please doing what you're doing. It is freaking hilarious. Um, before we sign off two things, the first thing is, uh, where can people come find you or where can they get access to the products you do work with and potentially get some kind of deal or something like that? What's the best way for people to get in your ecosystem, brother?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so fit to serve is, is the name I use on all my platforms on like YouTube, TikTok, uh, Instagram on Instagram is fit to serve the number one at the end. But usually if you search Fit the Server a variation of it, you'll see my profile picture with the sunglasses. And on there, on Instagram and TikTok, there's a in my bio, there's a link tree, which has some awesome companies I work with where you get legitimate deals. You know, 20% off RX Smart Gear jump ropes, which is huge. Uh, like $125 off an ice barrel, which is huge. Got discounts for Chubby's clothing. So yeah, for sure. And you can also find my merch. Look at this yeah. little little plug Hell, here.
1: Yeah. Hell you yeah. Look I, got in the you. Pickle.
0: I got my own, <laughs> I got my own uh Fit to Serve merch. And uh let me plug Ice Shaker real quick because they're awesome too. Ice Shaker is Chris Gronkowski's company, and it's awesome, man. This is quality. This is the half gallon one. They've got fit to serve line, but even if you don't get the fit to serve one, they got a bunch of cool designs. So
1: yeah. That's awesome, brother. Yeah. Check it out, guys. Go check him out. And, and uh, all the links are there. We'll link uh, your stuff as well, Evan, in the show notes. So anybody listening, if you're driving, don't have a second to go over there. Just go to the show notes. You'll be able to find out where you can follow Evan on. And then he's got his link tree to get everything. But um, brother, this is great. Your last question before you get to go pickle it up for the day is what does the art of masculinity mean to you? man,
0: the art of masculinity is is just like it sounds to me you know it isn't it is an art right it's ever changing it's how you it's how you defined it in my mind like whenever I think of the art of video creating it's like me going out and just like doing what I feel like I've been gifted to do and so don't put masculinity in a box, you know, let it be an art and figure out how. How, you know, what version of the art of masculinity fits right for you?
1: Ah, I love that, brother. Dude, you're a special human. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to hear your story and see where you are today, brother. And please keep impacting people positively. Your comedy is hilarious. Your personality is great and always brings a smile to my face when it comes across uh, my feed. So truly grateful for you, brother.
0: Thank you, Johnny, for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. And to everybody listening, as always, remember, that the world deserves a better caliber of man and it is our obligation to give it to him. All right, guys.